one of you. We are excited simply because whenever you have Jesus Christ in your life as your Savior, that is reason to be excited. That's why we are filled with joy. We don't have to manipulate it. We don't have to pretend. We are joyous people if we walk with the Lord. It doesn't mean that we don't have difficult times. It doesn't mean that we don't go through hard things. But we know that we are in a right relationship with the Lord. And therefore, we can be joyous and happy and excited. I love that about Justin. Here is a young man that is excited. And today we got to seem hyper excited. So that is good for us. And uh, as we get older, sometimes we sort of decline in our excitement. It's like life has punched the wind out of us. And so we just, you know, how you doing and go on with life. You know, we get a little grumpy. Any grumpy people here today? I can't believe people raising their hands. Okay. Well, I'll just go to face this way the whole time today. But uh, we are in part seven of our sermon series entitled Jesus Stories. And while we understand that all scripture is God breathed and God works through his prophets throughout the Old Testament, we see him working through his apostles in the New Testament. But there is something very special to the Christian when Jesus speaks. So special that we highlight it in red in our Bibles. And today Jesus is going to speak. And it's a powerful text. It is a powerful text that speaks to everyone, young or Old, those who have walked a short time or a long time with the Lord. Jesus deals with a spiritual principle, a spiritual discipline that you must have in your life to finish your life in faith. Now, I hope you heard that. It is a spiritual discipline practice that you must have in your life to finish your life in faith. And it's something, unfortunately, too many believers struggle with. Now, this is how Jesus develops this story. In Luke 18... Verse 8, after Jesus talks and shares a story, he says this. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So it's really clear in the text that verse 8 is speaking about the second coming. And some of the things that help you realize why he is speaking about the second coming is because in chapter 17 of Luke, he is asked by the Pharisees, what will it be like when the Son of Man comes back? 
And Jesus says, well, this is what it won't be like. This is what it won't be like. There will be people saying that the Son of Man has come. But I tell you, don't listen to them. They will say, come here, come here. Here he is. Or, or, or over here, there he is. As though Jesus' second coming was subtle. You see, the reality is in Scripture, the first coming of Jesus Christ as a baby born in Bethlehem was a subtle coming. It was like a candlelight. Light came into the world, but it was subtle. Jesus says, when I return for the second time, this is what it's going to look like. It's going to look like the time in the days of Noah where everyone were eating and drinking and, and making merry and doing life. And then destruction came on them suddenly through this great rain and flood. That's what the second coming is going to be like. You're not going to miss it. It's not like someone's going to have to show you, oh, the second coming, here, here's the Messiah. No, He is going to come and there's going to be this destruction like in the times of Noah. And then he continues to build on that. He says that it's going to be like the time in Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember those days? Their lot was. With his family surrounded by evil. He had two daughters and his wife. And son-in-laws to be. And angels told Lot, grab your family and get out of Sodom. And he did. But as he's going, his wife looked back and turns to a pillar of salt. And then God rains sulfur and fire from the heavens. And Sodom and Gomorrah and most of the towns in between are destroyed. That's how the second coming will take place. You'll know it. As lightning flashes from east to west and north to south, that will be the second coming. Heaven will be emptied. The Savior will lead. The trumpet will sound. The angels will follow and all mankind will know the day of the Lord has arrived. That's what Jesus says in Luke 17. So don't go following anybody that's telling you we found Messiah. He's come again. But the comparison really is to the first coming like a candle, subtle. And the second coming, like a lightning storm flashing across the sky, we will know. But that passage of Luke 18, verse 8, will the Son of Man find faith when He returns? 
is set in what I've just shared, but there's another passage of Scripture that ties into the second, I mean, where Matthew writes it down and shares it with us, and it's from Jesus as well. And I warn you to pay careful attention to this passage, no matter who you may be, because when you read the Luke 17 passage, here's what I noticed. The people that find sudden destruction, at least Sodom and Gomorrah, wasn't because of sodomy. It was because of the everyday things of life. Eating, drinking, making merry, doing life, planting, changing the diapers, going to the store, checking on Facebook... The subtleties of everyday life had so distracted them from their God that they found themselves in destruction because they looked away from God because of love of the world. That is the story of Lot's wife. She looked back, being told, don't look back. Look back in love, and you and I better be careful not to look back. Because it is the subtlety of everyday life that often wears us down and breaks our hearts and causes us to give up. Last week in the temptation of Jesus, the whole point of that story is Satan, the tempter, trying to see if something could be done. Here specifically to Jesus, can I cause him to fail the test in his faith? Can I tempt him away from the Lord? Can I wear him down? Can I bribe him? That's what's going on. And so Jesus says this regarding people who have a heart for the Lord. Because of the increase of wickedness, sin, the love of most, will grow cold. Now, I want to tell you something, whether you like to hear it or not. It is a possibility for your heart to grow cold. Don't think that you are impervious to it. That is what Jesus says to those who are looking to Him, who are trusting Him. You can't have a heart that grows cold if the heart wasn't warm towards the Lord to begin with. So where are you and how is your heart? Do you find yourself in a daily life of things looking to the Lord? Or does Satan tempt and wear you down to want to just give up and throw your hands in the air and say, why is it worth it? I've tried, but God's not doing what he promised he would do, so I give up. Now, you think people don't do that. They do it every day. A recent Facebook post by someone I believe with all my heart is a Christian. Won't mention the gender. Wrote, basically,
this has happened. This is happening. I don't want to hear any more about people telling us to pray. God don't give a... And I'm tired of it, so just F it. Out of the heart of a believer that I've worshipped with. Now we said, oh my goodness. I wouldn't want to be them. Well, no. But you know, I happen to know that they love the Lord. They've just hit a hard, difficult point in their life and they're frustrated and they're hurting and they're lashing out and they're blaming God and they're blaming everyone else around God. But my point is... That is not the natural response of a believer, but it is the natural response of someone who's beginning to give up because they're taking their eye off the Lord and they're looking around for someone else to fix their problems. Look, I can't fix your problems. You can't fix my problems. You can't fix, we can't fix anybody's problems. Only the Lord can meet the need that we have. We can bandage something up temporarily, but only the Lord can meet the need. Do you understand in your walk with God, only He can meet your need? So that's why Scripture throughout the Old Testament tells us to lean into God, to lean against God, to acknowledge that God's presence is in your life. Jesus says, because of the increase of sin in the world that people live in, because it gets so evil, so hellacious, so difficult, so hard, the love of most will grow cold, cold towards Him. Remember the height from which you have fallen, says Jesus, and repent and do the things you did at first. You started with the Lord. You started strong with the Lord. You started in surrender to the Lord. You started with your knees bowed to the King. Somewhere, life got so involved that you are distracted and Satan is the one behind the distractions and you've been tempted and you maybe even have been sifted. So look back to the Lord. How is your heart today? How is your heart? How did you start your morning? This morning, did you get up, get something to eat, put on your clothes after your shower, head to church? How did you start your morning today? Because it is the first day of the week, right? Now, we know every day is the same to the Lord, but there's something special about the first day of the week because Jesus said there's something special about the first day of the week. It's when I want my people to gather in my name and worship my Father. Did you start your day in prayer? Well, more than likely, if you didn't start your day in prayer today, you probably 
won't start it in prayer tomorrow. Most people, even believers, for the most part, maybe give a quick, hey, this is a nice thing to do. Thank you for the meal I'm about to eat. Now let's get after it. But the spiritual discipline that Jesus holds up above every other spiritual discipline in our lives is prayer. Now that's our Lord and Savior. He holds up prayer as a discipline that will move an individual to be faithful to their God until the day they die. And without it, without it, you are helpless. And I'm not talking about some trite prayer. I'm talking about prayer that's on your hands and knees, sometimes with your hands raised up, sometimes in the privacy of your home, when you get into their closets, when you're just wherever you might be in your car. But I'm talking sincere prayer, not just I'm just throwing out some words. Don't let your heart grow cold. Don't let it grow cold. Because destruction will fall upon the one whose heart grows cold. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show them that they should pray always and never give up. There it is. That explains to us what's going on in the very opening of the story. Pray and don't give up. Always pray and don't give up. Don't give up. Always pray. Because prayer is what connects you to your Father. Prayer is what shows that you are seeking His presence in your life. And it is in that communication that wonderful spiritual realities take place that only God knows as He pours His life into our life as we always find ourselves praying to Him. You know, this pray without ceasing, hopefully we've got a handle on what that means. It doesn't mean that you're always distracted because you're in prayer and, you know, you want everybody to know that you're in prayer. But, you know, you can be talking for people like I am to you right now, but inside I can be praying for you like I am, and you can do two things at once, right? And as you go through life, you just are, are praying in the sense that you're talking to the Lord, you're talking to the Father about life, about your life, about other people's lives. But people give up on that. And people get doing it, and you basically find yourself going alone in this life. And that's not what the Father wants for you. So, one day Jesus tells this story to tell his disciples they should pray and never give up. This individual on Facebook, they got a private message. And just wanted to say, hey, I, I, I've worshipped with you. I know you. And I know this isn't the way you really feel about others or about God, but 
look to the Lord. I know this language isn't typical of you, but it says something about your heart. It says something about your heart because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So look back to the Lord. And I would encourage each and every one of you wherever you are, just to look to the Lord in a greater way. Trust Him in a greater way. Ask Him, God in heaven, don't let my heart get cold. Don't let it get lukewarm. Set me on fire for you, Lord, because I want to be as close to you in your presence as I can possibly I don't want to be sidetracked by this world I saw another Facebook post an individual really wanting this specific job really wanting that job only been looking for about four weeks but that's the job that's the one I want that one will give me self-esteem it's the perfect location it's everything I want but is it what God wants is it what God wants for you you're frustrated you're not giving up on your faith but you're you're why is God not moving why God's not answered? Why has God not delivered? Why have you not given me? Do you not give a care? The scriptures tell us to be patient and wait on the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord, He lifts them up and renews their strength. Remember what we said last week? Look, no temptation has seized you except what is common or normal to mankind. And God Himself is faithful. And He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will provide you a way out. So that you can endure it. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. His way out as we look to life is there's times we have to wait. You have to wait. I have to wait. There's prayers that I've prayed for my children that I'm still waiting for. There's prayers that I've prayed for my wife that God has answered. God has answered and said, yes, she has a heart condition, and yes, we've done this surgery, but she's going to live and go on with life by your side for many, many more years. And I celebrate God's answer to my prayer. Almost 40 years together. She couldn't make it without me. She needs me. I need her. Love your husbands. 
love your wives and be kind. Here's another look at people giving up. They become frustrated and angry and bitter. And they can only see things their way and through their lens and there's blame and there's contempt for spouses, for children, for parents, for people at workplaces, just bitter and frustrated and angry. And I do believe if that's your heart as a believer that, oh, Satan's right there asking to sift away at you because what a way to bring you down. Oh, because for some silly reason, you've not read the Scriptures deeply enough to know that you control nothing, especially other people. And that kind of person, and I don't mean to be hard because these things apply to me too, okay? But you keep those records of wrongs. Oh, what a list we have. Most guys in a relationship or husbands, you know, they, it's like, I, I know I did that 30 years ago. And when we argue tonight, can we not bring up what I did 30 years ago? I said I was sorry for that. But the reality is we said we were sorry for it because we just wanted our spouse to quit talking about it. But we weren't really sorry. So there's plenty of blame to go around, guys, is what I'm saying. But my point is, are you bitter? Are you angry? Are you frustrated? Are you starting to give up? Because that is the fruit of someone that's giving up. Pray. Pray is the answer. Talk to God about it. Let God change the heart of the person. Let God change the heart of the person that you're wanting to change, not you. And you know, if you really look deeply and are honest just before you and God, you'll probably realize that He's trying to change your heart too. That there's arrogance and there's pride and not taking it anymore. And I'm going to have my way. Billy Graham was asked, with all of his success and all of his accolades, how did you stay humble in relationship to just people in life? Do you know what he said? When you begin your day with God, it is difficult not to be humble. And when you begin your day with God, it's hard not to be grateful and forgiving. So in Luke 18, verses 1 through 8, 
Jesus lifts up this widow, the most helpless in the society of biblical times. She's a widow. She has no one to defend her cause. Someone is treating her unjust. But she keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. And finally the judge says, I'm going to give her justice so she don't wear me out with her continual coming. And Jesus says, listen to what the unjust judge says and won't God give his elect justice? Yes, he'll give them justice and he'll give it to them speedily. But when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith upon the earth? Will he find you faithful? Will he find you in dependence of him? Will he find you praying? Will you be, like the text says, crying out to him day and night? You know, not just praying day and night, crying out day and night. So whether it's the opening of verse 1, always pray, or in the midst of the text, cry out night and day, the point is, the lesson to be learned from this unjust judge is that God is nothing like the unjust judge. The unjust judge does what he does for this widow out of selfish motives. I want her to leave me alone. He doesn't care about God. He doesn't care about people. But God cares about people. And throughout Old and New Testament, He cares about widows and orphans. And He cares about you. So look to Him for your justice. And wait on Him for your justice. Don't take matters into your own hands hands. Repent and turn to God and do the things that you did at first when you surrendered and bowed your knee and said, Lord, here I am. I'm broken. I'm no good. I'm a sinner. I have nothing to claim except the blood of Christ. And I ask your blood to cleanse me. And I promise as best I can in all my imperfection and brokenness to pursue you till the day I die. Read that last line with me after he talks about the love of most will grow cold. Verse 13, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. This isn't about works righteousness. It's not about legalism, like you could earn it if you do enough. This is a faith that's connected by prayer to rely on God for your everything. May the name of our God who vindicates us in every area of life be praised forever and ever and ever. Amen. Do not give up. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't let Satan win. Pray, pray, pray. And I'm going to ask you to stand right now as Matt comes up. Our prayer teams are going to be around the building here. And today would be a wonderful day.
to make your prayers known and let those prayers be lifted up to God. Amen.